Welcome to Unbreakable Success. This is Aaron Keith Hawkins. Right now, you can get a free copy of my book, Million Dollar Influence, plus access to free training and free one-on-one coaching to improve your influence, relationships, and personal confidence. Just go to AaronKeithHawkins.com to get it all. That's AaronKeithHawkins.com. Hi everyone, this is Faye Wu from Faye's World. I'm so thrilled to be here with Aaron Keith Hawkins. And uh, Aaron and I were introduced through Jocelyn Duffy, whose episode uh, would have been released at this point. Um, but Aaron is a uh, incredible entrepreneur and also a podcaster and also a police officer. So just imagine the snippets and the sound bites that you're going to be getting from this episode. So, so glad Aaron is here. And of course, welcome everybody to Unbreakable Success Podcast. As you can tell, this is not the average, ordinary episode for, for us here on Unbreakable Success. And we're here with uh, with Faye, who has uh, Faye's World Podcast. Faye, I love the premise of your show and what you're up to, um, you know, really highlighting those unsung heroes and the artists and, and really get into getting into sharing stories of, of people who may otherwise be not as recognized as they should be. So we're going to do this dual po- uh, dual episode for one another's shows and just kind of kick some thoughts back and forth. And first and foremost, the main premise of this obviously is to share something with each of our listeners. So everybody has to walk away from this episode with some really good nuggets of wisdom uh, so that we can help each other gain some insights from uh, our individual journeys and this is going to be a lot of fun so let's just do this let me let me jump on into uh your story real quick because this will be a great opportunity for not just my listeners but yours to get you get to know kind of your story a little bit more and what you're up to so give us a snapshot of that if you will what you're up to today and and then we can get into how you kind of got here sure so what I'm doing today, right in the middle of 2018, I still can't believe it's already middle of the year. Crazy, right? <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> mind-blowing. I feel like I've been saying this for the past few years. When we're working on something that we're so passionate about, yeah. it feels like there's not enough time in the day. And that's precisely how I've been feeling since I've had the show since October 2014. So it's been uh, about three and a half years at this point. So what I... Now up to uh, sort of a few years into the podcast is I am working on an online course to help English speaking podcasters, including, you know, people like you, Aaron, to uh, launch a show in China and on a single platform alone called Himalaya, which is Himalayas in English. uh, There are 500 million listeners and that's precisely two times the amount of listeners on iTunes Um, working on that course. I am working on a Chinese podcast. I'm also going to be launching on that very platform in addition to the English podcast I've had for three and a half years. And finally, it's a documentary that's in the work in the middle of uh, sort of workshopping and mm-hmm. figuring out the premise and all that with between me and two to three other producers. So three different things that are, uh, you know, yeah. I need leverage my quote-unquote superpower as a project manager for the past 10 years to make that all fit in and work. <laughs> that is that is so cool. Yeah, I know you're you're majorly busy. Uh, I love, uh, we talked a few days ago and we talked about this idea of helping, you helping 
English speaking, primarily English speaking podcasters share their show uh, in China with this this massive untapped audience as far as, you know, from here in the States, it's really an untapped audience for which creates this big opportunity both for new listeners to learn and for, you know, existing podcasters just to broaden their reach. I, I love the idea and I, I, I like to flatter myself sometimes by saying I'm creative, but that um, that just the simplicity, but the brilliance of it just blew me away. So I, I, I love the idea. Uh, how did this, if I can ask, how did this podcast journey start for you um, in its inception? Like what made you decide that you're going to be this podcaster? Not only that, you're also going to like help others do this and create a real revenue stream without it. Because I know one of your biggest, one of the things I love about you is you have this premise of helping people uh, really create a living and a lifestyle podcasting without being somewhat of a slave to the download numbers and being overly drawn into data and statistics and really getting overwhelmed with that. Obviously, information is important, but uh, I love how you kind of, you have this organic approach to your show and Mm -hmm. organic approach to podcasting as a potential career path. How did that kind of play out for you? You know, that's such an interesting question. It took me a while to really connect the dots because we live, we we get into the groove and we live our lives the way we do for a long time. And until, not until recently, I haven't really shared this on other uh, podcasts before. I realized as I was growing up, my mom has instilled the sense of counterintuitiveness like in me. Like she was the unconventional parent uh, in China, which was a, pretty difficult thing to do. So I remember when I was six or seven, every single child from our neighbor started learning the piano. So by the time they were 11 or 12, after all the beating and hard work, I mean, they all went on to like professional level of some mm-hmm. sort. My mom made sure that I did not do that. She is like the Seth Godin in China. <laughs> she, she's the one who asked to look the other way. And I say yeah. that, so what I ended up doing are playing baseball, playing ice hockey, the sports that didn't even exist in China, somehow she found places for me to do it because I enjoy doing that and to stay active. Um, what What's interesting about that example is I look at podcasting for uh, a couple of years since I started working on it, and I look at the downloads. They were not, I mean, some of them were fantastic. Yeah. Some of them not, you know, not exactly like the stories that you would hear from everywhere you know jld being one of them but she's like he's really up there and then you know tim ferris celebrities all these people so i asked myself it has to be something different Mm -hmm. you know that if the majority of the people want to do this for a long time and i want myself and you aaron and everybody i met who are delivering these stories are like slightly under the radar uh, to published um there has to be another way so get to the punchline um, and we can tell them, you know, more details and examples yeah. is the fact that, you know, when you are an entrepreneur, the hardest thing is to be selling and marketing yourself consistently. And podcast has organically become the thing in yeah. a way you can say that you're not even, you're not even paying for it. But for me, I figure out a way for the podcast itself to generate real revenue for the past two and a half years. And uh, and really, it kind of helped me to establish a sustaining business. Generated uh, all the leads, you know, new customers were generated from the podcast. Yeah, 
I love that. I love that. Now, <clears throat> is this um, the the framework for what you do? Is that something you kind of came up with, like uh, just on your on your own, just kind of you know, there's those ideas pop in your head. So let me try this. Or were you inspired uh, specifically by somebody, someone, or somebody, or or something, even in another industry? Is there something that kind of sparked the the steps to take that you thought might actually make what you're doing sustainable? So I think I did not think much about selling. I don't think I came from a background where both of my parents are artists, by the way, yeah. and they didn't teach me a thing about finance. My mom still needs me to organize, comb through the statements of like yeah. CDs and investments that she made. So, um, you know, for me, within 10 episodes of releasing Face World, um, the first 10 episodes were family and friends. I started okay. to notice that people were reaching out to me in this particular case, Christina Reed was this uh, profound producer for so many Disney animations, um, reach out to me and said she was hoping to reinvent herself. Um, and even before mm. her kids went to college, actually, which was interesting, she didn't yeah. want to wait anymore. She wanted to do something different. She said if I could help her. From that point on, I received so many more requests in the form of, in the forms of the guests reaching out to my, to me said, thanks for learning so much about me. By the way, I read your story. You're a digital marketer. I, I'm not so sure, but could you help me with X, Y, and Z? And yeah. uh, you know, there are many, many questions along that line, and even questions, uh, even referrals, like so such well-written referrals from guests to say. I don't need anything right now, but I'm going to introduce you five different people who may need your help with digital marketing, website building, design, which is mind blowing. Um, wow. I I went from not knowing what to do with it to, uh, sure, you know, let's explore how we can work together. That's so cool. I love it. I love it. I love it. And it, so you really you're just meeting people and they're discovering what you uh, really what your your skills and, and skill sets are even outside of being an interview and that, and that just kind of leveraged itself into relationship building is what it sounds like is is being able to make connections influencing people so that they they trust you they like you they know what your skills are and then from there even after the episode you're able to branch out into other mm-hmm. uh other other efforts if you will other works to to bring in some revenue that's that's pretty cool it's, yeah, I mean, I feel like this is not news to you, Aaron, because yeah. one thing I realize is, wow, if this could work for me, I really want to share this with other, with other people. Yeah. And I know that people already see the tip of the iceberg, but mm-hmm. they were hesitant whether they, oh, am I authentic if I pursue such career and opportunity? But um, the first thing I mentioned to you, Aaron, is that when I got onto your website and the first thing I thought to myself is like, this guy gets it. He is already, he's doing Thank the you. right thing, right? So you are someone who has a business and, you know, you're you're doing this. You're not just relying on podcasts. So right. or perhaps, I mean, I don't want to change the direction too much, but I perhaps it's time for you to talk about, like, the balance between your show and your business. Yeah, this is, um, it, it was definitely interesting for me to have arrived. And first of all, thank you for, you know, that that those are flattering words coming from you, somebody I respect and, and <laughs> really admire a lot. So for you to say that about that first impression of my site means a lot. So thank you. But uh, yeah, as far as me and how I 
kind of integrate my show from a business standpoint, it's kind of it's kind of fun because first of all, I love doing this so much. I would I would, and it doesn't mean I'm going to settle for, but I would actually do this if it made no money because I just I just like it that much. But businesses don't tend to sustain themselves if they're not making any revenue. So therein lies the you know how do we turn this into something uh, that is sustainable financially. So what's interesting for me is, you know, as you mentioned, when we started the show, my traditional career was as a police officer and I still, I'm a captain now here in New Jersey and I still have, I still have 12 months left before I completely leave and retire from and kind of pension out from that job. But at the same time, I have my show, I have coaching practice. I just authored my first book and uh, I have an online course. So what, for me, what I decided to do when I realized, uh, A, that I was going to start this podcast and when I finally kind of took the training wheels off and started feeling more comfortable just actually doing the show without wigging out every episode, uh, that's when I started thinking about how do I make this into a, a business. So for me, um, simply offering something that kind of... To me, I like to think it kind of naturally leads into uh, the other things and other skill sets I have. Like my traditional, but my career is, was in law enforcement, but my graduate degree was in leadership. Uh, I kind of minored in professional coaching. So coaching is something I do on the side. I do one-on-one coaching. And I also have this online course, which kind of is like a different uh, plateau of service from me. And then I have my book. So the podcast for me is gives me the opportunity to offer those things on the intro and outro. So, you know, anybody listening to the show before the show, you, I'm sure you heard, uh, you, you will have heard a bumper either advertising my book to get my book for free, uh, a live event uh, that may or may not have already happened by the time this episode releases. So, yeah. it, it's. I like to show because it'll naturally attract the people that would be interested in my service. So in other words, like Unbreakable Success is mainly about entrepreneurship, but more so a lot of times it's on the mindset side of things in addition to the strategy. So, you know, my book is on influence. So people that are in business, you know, everybody's teaching how to do sales funnels and lead pages and and, and lead magnets and email automation. Um, but the trick to that is, and what I constantly see from meeting with entrepreneurs, the frustration comes in. They learn all to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. They learn how to set all those those technical things in place. But yeah. those are just, it's a blank slate. Like yeah. you can do all that work to have a, a landing page and an email automation system and a lead magnet for people to get. But if you don't know how to connect with people, authentically and you don't know the the triggers of influence and all that stuff you're kind of left out in the cold because it's like wait a minute nobody taught me what i need to say or how i need to say it or how am i going to relate to these people what do they want to know like what is it that i could say that could tap into their emotions and that's that's what i like to offer through my services so uh, it's kind of organic for me because the things that i enjoy doing outside of interviewing help with that Mm-hmm. Um, it really, it really helps with, with influence and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I love this conversation because uh, again, I, I look to the list of guests I've interviewed, you know, Chris Voss being, um, I mentioned him briefly. I haven't had a lot of police officers. Chris happens to be one of them and who also leverage his expertise 
uh, as an, I think, FBI agent, hostage negotiation expert. But immediately when I talked to you, instead of thinking, Faye, you'll not believe this. I'm a police officer. It's like, I believe it. And I think you should <laughs> absolutely leverage it. Yeah. You know? And uh, what are some of the, you said there's some translation happening between what you do, what you learned on on the job versus yeah. what you end up teaching people. So like, what are some of the examples perhaps? Yeah, it's, it's funny. You and I were talking a little bit earlier about how sometimes there's things that you don't think should be mentioned about ourselves. Like for me, it, it, it it took me for a while to even, and I, I think I'm at, at this point I have like 50, probably by the time the show comes out, we're at 50 something, maybe 60 or so episodes. And I don't know how much, if at all, I mentioned my other career during my own show. It just never came up. And I, I realized in, in hindsight is one of those things I almost felt like I, I didn't want to bring up because it didn't fully translate into the mindset world and the entrepreneurial world just because I assumed that people wouldn't want to hear about that. But mm-hmm. as we were talking earlier, it's that the, the truth is really those things about ourselves, no matter, you know, for all of you that are listening and, and for you, Faye, that, like I said, we talked about it, you know, are those things that kind of make us interesting <laughs> and set us apart from everybody else is really what helps the most. And I think what gives me the most leverage as as a coach and as a you know a keynote speaker and a trainer and all this these things that I do outside of that law enforcement world, mm-hmm. for me the leverage came from decades of experience, seeing mm-hmm. people in their worst moments or going through their worst experiences and learning for myself how to process all of that stuff and it, it, it really helped on a few standpoints. Number one, as a coach and somebody who's looking to support people, uh, whether it's in business or in a relationship, because I've coached people on different things. Uh, some Sometimes it's strictly business related. Sometimes it's just relationship related. Mm-hmm. But the ability to have seen some of the most horrific things really helps for me. It takes the edge off. For me internally, so when I respond to whatever it is they want help with or they're, or they're struggling with, it's for me it softens the blow because there's not a whole lot that somebody can tell me where I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, you're a mess, <laughs> because I've yeah. because I've seen so much more, and it and it, but it also helped me in a lot of ways with empathy, empathy because you have to, I had to learn in that job as a police officer to empathize mm-hmm. without becoming overly emotional to the point where I can't kind of register and strategize, okay, what do we do from here? So right. having a couple decades of, of caring, but also being able to isolate it, separate, look at the situation and say, and say okay, this is bad. So, mm-hmm. all right, let's, let's just deal with this and let's figure it out. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, I think it makes so much sense. I interviewed a lot of doctors who, yeah. you know, do say that when they go home they see their children and they have such a different perspective yeah they've seen juvenile cancer they they've seen a lot of the the worst things that could happen at the hospital um and i think same goes for you and i know it's hard i mean without sharing names and maybe specific situations like what are what are some of the memories that you may have um as in that that really perhaps hit you because i i think we can all imagine what some of the situations are 
Yeah. But I'd love to hear maybe a, a story that you could recall recently or from long long ago. Yeah, I, I'll, I mean, there's there's so many. So I mean, I, I won't get into some stories just for the sake of you know making them overly dramatic. But I'll use some that are really that can really be tangible to probably most listeners. So there are times, as I'm sure you can imagine, there are times where some people wind up dealing with or having the same issues resurface repeatedly. So for example, there may be some uh, households where the family members are just fighting each other mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And you're, and you know, I mean, this started from early in my career, we wind up going back to the same house over and over again every day every other day every week at least every month and and it was just it was it was so exasperating to watch because you wound up thinking how are you still dealing with the same issue you've you've you know this is a problem you know the same issues are coming up how have you never moved forward and it really helped me realize that in 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 business for people that are looking to succeed at something and they keep struggling in the same way it helped me early on realize okay if something isn't working in business because a lot of times entrepreneurs will be faced with the same struggles they can't scale or mm-hmm. they're not attracting the right clients or they they can't you know they can't close they're not connecting correctly with when they do reach people or if they have you know if it's a coach whether it's a fitness coach relationship coach or whatever when they have those consultations or they have those conversations they're just not connecting with the people in the way that they want to. But it's happened repeatedly. So, you know, those two stories translate because it, it helped me to realize that very early on, when you see a problem happen more than once, then it's time to learn something new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is. Like, don't just get through the day and survive it and grin and bear it. Mm-hmm. Learn something intentionally that it's going to intervene the next time so from a business standpoint if 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 an entrepreneur is unhappy with their close rate when it comes to um getting a new client for whether they're a marketer you know they have an agency where they whether they uh you know they're a mindset coach whatever it is if they're having that problem they need to learn a new skill that they can use and implement the next time it happens Mm-hmm. So in the case of the families, they need to learn a new skill when it comes to, okay, what am I going to do next time this, this disagreement happens? And the same thing in business, they need to learn, what am I going to do the next time I'm faced with this same situation? Mm-hmm. And that's not something that, um, it's not something that's usually thought about in, in, in that fashion, at least from my experience. Uh, but seeing that happen so many times, it's where my brain goes first is... Mm-hmm. When I see or hear of a problem, I look for the place where something can be plugged in, like exactly where this is happening, and mm-hmm. let's let's have it. Let's insert a new behavior right here and get real specific with it. And I find it to be helpful. Yeah, I mean, I think this model has worked for a lot of the people. For example, our mutual friend Jocelyn Duffy, who yeah. has figured out uh, copywriting or writing in general that yeah. works and the writing that does not work at all. Yeah. Um, she definitely, and then I say that and I know that's not the only style, but uh, I'm a huge fan of seeing people finding their niche, yeah. right? Finding how they're different. Uh, and also as you acquire more customers, so you can actually test out uh, like beta test 
yeah. what works, what doesn't work. And I see that all the time with my work um, as well. Even just even with designing an online course, I see where people get stuck, where yeah. they keep moving forward. Um, what are what are maybe a couple of things that you would um, provide to your customers? Like what are some of the things maybe you see as they where they get stuck? Um, um, do you can you think of anything? I know like yeah, uh, I, I can. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um, there's a few things, and I, and I'll say this from I'll say this from an, an influence standpoint because that's that's just what's been top of my mind because I've been this this book has consumed me for the past month and that, and that's what uh, yeah please yeah yeah, yeah exactly. that's what that's what the book is about. So uh, there are four there are four things that come to top of mind. Um, with people that I've worked with one on one, and people that I just I know of, and I've seen them struggle, um, but I'm going to take this from a broad standpoint when it comes to influence. One of the biggest things that I I think entrepreneurs, uh, in my experience, have missed is the fact that we are always influencing, like 100 percent of the time. What I mean by that is is if you have a brand or a business. Everything you do that is seen by another human being is influence. It, there's no turning it off. So everything that's on your social media, the way it looks, your colors, your design, how much effort you either you or your designer has put into it. Like you mentioned, uh, and thank you so much because you mentioned it when you looked at my website. It makes me feel better. Like I'm, I'm practicing what I preach. Uh, you look. You said you looked at my website and right away you got it. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of phenomenally skilled business owners who I know personally, and I know that they know their business, and if somebody would work with them, they would get a lot of help. But if I go to their site, or if I go to their social media platforms, mm -hmm. I wouldn't know that. Mm -hmm. Like, I only know how good they are because I've gotten to know them personally. So the problem is, one of the problems is because they and I don't say this judgmentally, they haven't completely impl implemented the idea that their website and their socials, that's sending a message. And if the site is confusing or it's vague or it looks like it's like the first iteration of Amazon, like from the 90s, it's sending the wrong message. It's not saying I'm the person who is the expert at this. Mm -hmm. And that inattention to the fact that that is a message that is influenced to your potential clients is is one of the biggest and one of the and fortunately one of the easiest to fix mm -hmm. um, is that is the idea that everything you're doing is sending a communication and you need to re to remember that um, mm -hmm. that's that's one of the big ones the second two I'll put them side by side number one is a lack of generosity and number three is a lack of boundaries. And mm -hmm. I know they may sound kind of counterintuitive, like, wait a minute, you're saying to be generous and put up boundaries at the same time. Uh, there's a lot of, and this has changed, this has evolved, and this is one of those things that comes to paying attention to the marketplace. Mm -hmm. There are still people that are teaching, um, that are saying, if you have a skill set and you want to attract clients, you need to tell people just enough so that they're interested in what you do, but don't don't really teach them anything, just kind of teach them what they need to know and then make them pay to get the teaching. That, that it, to me, in my experience, is an outdated way of thinking because information is free. Um, mm -hmm. There is nothing that most of us are selling 
that mm -hmm. can't be garnered for free from somewhere else. Yes, we all have our unique thing. Nobody, nobody can do what you do in the way that you do it, just like nobody can do what I do in the way that I do it. But in reality, if somebody wants to learn about influence, they can probably find something, some book somewhere, or somebody else teaching it, and they can probably get some info with it for free, just like you yeah. with your podcasting and stuff. Everything is free. So the idea that we're going to hedge what we share freely mm -hmm. Is just a failing strategy. Nobody's going to be so impressed and, and think like, okay, so this person is telling me I need to learn about, so I'll use me for an example. If I were to go and tell people how important influence is and what the, the fact that it's impacting everything in their life, but then I don't give them anything to help mm -hmm. them with it mm -hmm. and say, if you pay, I'll teach you what those things are. Yeah. I know, <laughs> but, it's almost like a playing a trick on somebody. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I definitely know exactly. Uh, I've been there. I think yeah. we've all been there. I certainly have. Yeah, exactly. People over-promising, yeah. under-deliver, yeah. and you don't find out about that until you already entered yeah. your email, your contact information, and you yeah. find out nothing. Yeah, that, um, that, that lack of generosity causes a, pr a problem. Because if you give and you give freely and it works, they'll come back. They're, they're going to come back. To you yeah. you're not going to give somebody something that's useful and then they say thank you and i never want to see you again they're going to yeah. come back because they want to take that deeper experience with you and then as far as real quick as far as the boundaries go if if we don't have boundaries and this may sound counterintuitive but when i say boundaries you, it's probably easiest to think of it in terms of values people need to know what's important to you mm -hmm. like for me and what i hope gets exuded when people listen to either listen to my show or, or go to my website or whatever they read it is my intention in my hope that people understand that I'm empathetic. Uh, I, 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 I'm I a very empathetic person. I don't beat people over the head with stuff. I'm kind of a, I like to so I kind of soften the blow a lot. That's just kind of my personality. That's who I am. So I don't try to be Gary V with people because I'm not Gary V. I happen to love Gary V. I just know that I'm not him. So if I were to try to come on to, if I were tr going to try to present myself and my brand, as Gary Vaynerchuk because he's successful, so I should emulate him. Well, his values aren't necessarily, when I say values, I don't, I don't mean his, his character like he has bad values, but his his persona, like who he is, mm -hmm. you know, he presents himself as him. And in the yeah. same way, all of us have to, we have to have our boundaries around, okay, this is, this is the person I am, and I need to be genuine about this. And I need to let people know who I am, what I stand for, how I do business, how I communicate, mm -hmm. and have some have some strong lines in the sand as far as you know what you're presenting to the world. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, when they're early on, there's so much for us to and Faye, you know this. There's so much for us to learn. It's mm -hmm. sometimes hard to convince ourselves that it's okay to just say what's important to us and be the person that we want to be without thinking that we need to appease and satisfy and make sure we don't offend everybody. Uh, yeah. I, I've, it took me a while to get over that. I'm over it now. <laughs> and, and life has yeah, gotten I so mean, much easier once I just decided that to, to forget about that stuff and just draw my lines, lines in my sand. This is who I am. This is what's important to me, and I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. I think you, you brought up a really important point, which is a number of points. Um, the last one in terms of finding our own voice yeah. and you know how how unique do you need it to be sometimes we feel like we found it it's like but wait a minute am i trying to sound like seth godin yeah I'm trying to, you know copy somebody else sure um i think it's like you said it's an iteration and a lot of sure. people don't 
realize that. And I think, you know, last night when I was at a barbecue party, I was trying to, you know, having this great conversation with this 23 year old Mm -hmm. about writing. And my main message to him is that please write and hit the publish button. And you are going to, you're not going to find necessarily find it tonight or tomorrow, 30 days from now. I mean, it's a long time for young millennials these days, but it's a, it's a process. And Mm -hmm. I also encourage people, I'm sure Aaron, you've been blogging and posting for a while and sometimes we go back to our earlier work and even episode one, you're like, oh, I still want to delete this. <laughs> yeah. uh, I can't because it's part of the show. Um, it, and I think that that is the process and how many times in our lives we can, for us to do something and see the trace of it, right? Yeah. Like um, you, for you being a parent, there are pictures taken with your adorable young daughter, there are conversations that you remember. Yeah. With podcasts, it's kind of a similar thing that you see the growth Yes. Of yourself. Um, yeah. So that that is something I think it's really powerful and I want people to not feel bad about that. I think it's yeah. one of the message I have. Um, in terms of something else you said about the website, I was like, mm, I want to say something because that's sort of what I do. And I see a lot of people not having a website because they they feel like it really doesn't it doesn't live up to their expectation mm. and they're maybe right most of the time. <clears throat> Um, what I was really impressed about is that you built this whole thing by yourself. Is that is that I right? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. I did. Okay. Your your background, I if I assume, is not in digital marketing or advertising. <laughs> no, no, I'm an accidental um, website builder. I just it's one of those things. It one of the things, uh, and I'll give some props to Brendan Bouchard, uh, mm-hmm. who I've never met, but I've I've learned a lot from him. I think I've read every one of his books. But one of the things I heard him say years ago that um, wedged into my brain was that you have to believe in your ability to figure anything out. So almost everything on my website, everything I've done to this point is something that just several years back, I was clueless about. And if I'm honest, these days, I still feel plenty clueless about another any number of unlimited things. Yeah. But along the way, I've forced myself to figure things out. So yeah, th- and thank you. Yeah, I built the built my entire website on my own, pretty WordPress much. Or Squarespace. I'm sorry, WordPress. Yeah, WordPress. WordPress. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's and again to your point, mm-hmm. it was a process because the first version, my my Amazon 1.0 version <laughs> of my website, if I were to look at it today, it was. I would be I would be embarrassed. I would only show someone these days, mm-hmm. just to say, look at how bad I was, and it was okay. It, it, I think if we put what we're talking about here in a nutshell, we have to be willing. We have to humble ourselves enough to be willing to to suck at something. If I can yeah. say that, like we have to be willing to say, I'm going to start, even if it sucks, mm-hmm. because probably every version of my website up to this one I was not even remotely happy with I was in some ways embarrassed by it but it, but it was but I had a website yeah. and there were people that came there and there were people that were thanking me for some of the content was on there mm-hmm. and even though it wasn't per even though it wasn't perfect I was in a process of mm-hmm. improving and if we're willing to, we have to be humble enough because a lot of times I think our, and you can tell me your thoughts on this, Faye, a lot of times if we're honest, and I know I said I'm not uh, I'm not Gary Vee, but I'm going to be kind of blunt right now. A lot of times 
our ego sets us up for failure because mm-hmm. we're not willing to have anything that's less than perfect. So if my website doesn't look like so-and-so's, then forget it. I'm not just doing it all. And that's, mm-hmm. that is, you lose before you even start if we take that stance. Like yeah. you mentioned early podcast episodes. I won't even listen to some of my, or I, I, I don't even want to hear some of my earlier episodes because I'm like, I don't, I don't want to listen to that again because I know how mm-hmm. clueless I was. <laughs> not to say I'm anything great now, but it's, I don't even go back there. It happened. I'm not ashamed of it, but it's what I was. But uh, I've progressed from there. But, you know, we have to be willing to take that journey. And, you know, a week ago, I decided to listen to episode one with Kayla Brown. And I prepared myself for awfulness. Yeah. And I was, in a way, pleasantly surprised. I realized, especially the intro, right? I yeah. was okay once I get to the conversation part. I was like, yeah. oh, I don't hear the intro again. <laughs> Like, hello. Like, you know, I, I imagine me talking slowly, scared for yeah. no reason, and uh, uh, bored, scared, or lonely because I knew exactly which part of the house I recorded this in with yeah. the wrong equipment. And, and uh, I was, and then I realized, like, it wasn't so bad. And yeah. somebody even said to me on purpose to say that when I was already more than 100 episodes in, somebody emailed me, reached out to me, and said, Oh, I went to episode one on purpose. I just want to see how far you've gone. You, you've come, right? Yeah. And when he said that, I was like, no. And <laughs> why did you have to do that? And I realized, wow, this this person has a point, and I want him or her to see that. Yeah. And um, I, I use these examples all the time, like all the super sexy YouTubers with their 14, mm-hmm. 20 million followers go back to their first video, yeah. some of them do delete them, which is terrible and the shame, but if you go back to their first video, you cannot believe how mm-hmm. far they've come. Um, I think that's such a beautiful thing because what what this in this vision or this picture mm-hmm. we have in our mind uh, in terms of what's good or perfect, even that's wrong. Yeah. We don't even know, like using a simple example of writing or, you know, web design, maybe everybody has a different point of view, right? Like, oh, that that's pretty or, or, you know, but when it comes to writing, everything we learned in school, not to say they were correct grammatically and yeah. everything, but that's not the type of content that will resonate and touch other people. Yeah. You don't, you know, nobody talks like that. It, yeah. it, you can even notice in a, a TV show or movie when the script is over prepared and over scripted. Yeah. And people just like they can't even they are like robots. Yeah, it's robotic. Yeah. Yeah, it's it 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 is it is true, and it, it it's funny. Um, I was mentioning a, a few things about um, influence, and, and one of those one of the last is kind of on this point where it is it's a practice. Um, one of the biggest mistakes people make when they're trying to be influential is they think that they need to already be that type of person. Mm-hmm. That is influential, so they so they blame their personality. Like I'm not, you know, nobody's gonna want to listen to my show or read my blog, or they're not gonna want to be coached by me, or they're not gonna want to buy my stuff because I'm just not that type of influential person. Mm-hmm. But it is not influence is not about our personality. It's about what we're willing to practice and get better at. Mm-hmm. And I certainly, I mean, by no means, I'm. I've always been very introverted by nature. If you saw me in a public place at a party, I was either off on my own while everybody's mingling or I'd be with one or two. I feel more comfortable in smaller conversations. But I didn't, 
like now I'll get in front of a, an audience of I don't care how many people and I'll just freely speak. I care less who's there <laughs> um, because it wasn't a matter of, it wasn't about who I was. It was what I decided to practice and train myself to be more comfortable with and it, and if and I'm sure you've gone through the same progression like you said you went back to your first episode because you wanted to see the progression which inherently means you knew you were intentionally making progress and you intentionally wanted to get better at at the same thing and I think that's an important thing for for business owners or any but regardless of what somebody's doing you could have you could have a nonprofit or something that you wanted some mission something you wanted to get better at even if you're just a parent, you want to be a better parent. Wherever you are now does not mean that's where you need to be a month from now or a year from now or even an hour from now. There's always, like, this is, the, the things you're doing and the impact you're having and creating is a matter of how much you're willing to learn and how much effort you're willing to put into getting better at whatever it is you want to achieve. And that's, that's a, that's a big lesson that uh, I wish a lot more people would, I wish I would have learned it quicker. Um, but it's, it's just something it took me a while to become aware of, which is why I kind of harp on it these days. Yeah. And I think that we need to change our perspectives and give ourselves a chance to learn while being an, an adult. And to be able to make new friends, make uh, get to know people who we have a true connection with, instead of people uh, in friendship by proximity. Whether you go to work, yeah. have to be your friends, and you know, we all know that there's we won't just naturally connect with everyone, and we sort of are forced in certain situations. Yeah. So by proactively reaching out, whether it's through writing or blogging or podcasting, I think it's just a fantastic way. Of finding your tribe and I can't say enough about that because people and energy and the wisdom that that are generated from that tribe yeah. will fuel you and you know for the for the rest of your life or if that's too much of a statement what will really fuel you in the you know in, in an extended period of time five mm -hmm. ten years I've only been doing this for three and a half and my life has really truly changed forever and I can tell from your voice that Starting your own business, running the podcast, I've also done the same for you. Yeah, uh, not you know, it, this is a pretty pretty strong statement right there. It it is it is, and it's not what you're saying is not an overstatement. I, I think we may you and I may have touched on this before in another conversation uh, about you know if you were to look back five years from now, you almost it's almost like you can't recognize how things were then as opposed, as compared to how they are now. That's certainly the case certainly the case with me because these relationships that I've built as I've practiced being mm. willing to reach out to more people and, and being willing to have these conversations and will, being willing to ask for something whether it's something that I can give or something that I need um, mm. that I want support with mm -hmm. um, being willing to go through these progressions and engage in the bigger mission without worrying about whether somebody else will agree or disagree with it and just mm -hmm. knowing okay this is my ultimate goal so yeah. you know is this thing that I'm worried about doing is it going to help me get to that is it going to serve that bigger picture is it going to serve that ultimate goal and if the answer is yes then you know to quote Mel Robbins in the five second rule you know five four three two one okay I need to do it send the email make the call ask the question ask yeah. for the introduction and just do it and and and, it, and it's amazing how, like you said, your life can totally change forever just by being willing to keep 
stepping towards that direction. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that we're running up against the time. I don't want to take more time away from you and your family. Uh, I do want to talk about the SWAT team. And you mentioned <laughs> to me like two days ago, I realized, you know, how, what was it, what was it like? How long have you been, you know, what are some of the tasks? Because I guess some of these are like high profile uh, stories, but like, how did you become one? What is it? I've only seen it on TV and yeah. I don't it's all about really <laughs> all right we'll, we'll do the, the quick rundown of, of that so i was on uh i was on the swat team for 15 years oh uh wound up leaving i was uh one of the when i left i wound up being one of the team leaders um but that started a couple of years well back in the 90s mm -hmm. uh, i'd been on the job a couple of years and then um i kind of got asked if i wanted to to join a tactical team and and you know said yeah because it sounded like you know, the cool thing to do, the, the elite, so to speak, uh, thing to do. And, and from there, it was a lot of training. We went in a few different places around the country to study with some of the people from LAPD and stuff and learn hostage rescue tactics and all that kind of thing. And uh, so it was exciting. Uh, definitely, it was definitely exciting. It was definitely around some of that experience, being in, with that environment, with those people that I was with taught me a ton about standards about raising it and it kind of translates totally into this you know the personal development where it sounds insane but my my time on a SWAT team totally prepared me for this personal development world because everything we did was about having this we had a very almost ridiculously high standards for everything we did the movements, the way we flowed through a house or a building, if we had to make an entry and search for whoever it is, the armed robber, the, the, you know, the murder suspect, the, whatever it was, everything had to be done, like your awareness had to be at 100. Mm -hmm. But it's very important that even though your awareness and your, your vision was at 100%, you couldn't be in a state of paranoia. You had to also, at the same time, with this hyper-awareness, you had to be hyper-relaxed. Like you had to be just in the flow of what you know needed to be done. And that came from, you know, how do you get in the flow? Well, repetition takes time. So we would do our movements. We would do our work with our equipment and weapons and all this stuff so that we were, we always used the word surgical. Like everything we did, we wanted to be surgical about it, meaning very precise, intentional decisions. And that totally transitioned to my mindset now when it comes to having these very high standards of what I do. But what, does that mean there was perfection there? Of course not, no. Mm -hmm. but, if you, but if you aim for that, then you're gonna be pretty darn good if you, if you make your standard to be ridiculously high. And that, that helped a lot um, prepare me for uh, what I do now, it really did. You, you talk about like the flow of things or doing things the same way. Uh, what does that mean? I mean, when, when you face, uh, I'm a, uh, I am, oh, I am a huge fan of this TV show called The Unit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and it's, I think it's based on a book, Delta Force, written mm -hmm. by this gentleman I happen to be friends with on Facebook, and um, I'm not really his friend. I, think I actually have that book on my shelf. <laughs> it's a, yeah. such a, it's incredible. I thought yeah. that, and I think. 
when you what, what's fascinating and then typically I don't really watch a lot of army movies or shows mm-hmm. but this one happens to be like just so well curated and like shot together and like yeah. I think um, you know a lot of brutality but there's also some, a lot really emotional and sensitive to it um, I think one thing that they talk about doing things the same way including the way you walk into a room the way that the team is organized and then who's first second third and then you know the way that is that like what are some of the things yeah. that find that, really uh, fascinating yeah some of those it's funny how um one thing i have to tip my cap sometimes to the film industry these days both television and movies because even though they are not realistic in the sense of all the over-the-top stuff that's almost obvious sometimes there are times that i'll watch and really depends on the show but there have been more times in recent years than in previous years that some of the tactics and the and the mindset and the stuff they do is a little bit a lot closer to reality uh than it was you know in the 80s if you watch some if you watch some swat show in the 80s or 70s everybody's jumping out of the back of the van and the hut 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 and they look like soldiers and i look at it i'm like what is that <laughs> it's just the weirdest yeah. thing um but yes to, to answer your question about flow some of the things are uh, number one like you said it's a, a lot of repetition and we got to the point where we literally could communicate and we could clear a huge building warehouse anything without ever speaking a word and mm-hmm. we could tell each other what to do what not to do what we were worried about simply with you know, a head gesture or a hand symbol. Um, it was like it was a, it was an entire a language of and then predetermined movements based on those that that unspoken language and signals that would help us accomplish what we what we needed to do very quickly mm-hmm. with without any almost without any friction amongst ourselves. Like we knew what needed to be done without speaking what needed to be done. Um, so just little things like, you know, always checking your corners, um, remembering that, you know, you're in a 360 degree environment. So don't just look in front of you. You have to look down, you have to look up because mm-hmm. there, there could be a threat in any location, like a lot of this stuff. And it, and it became so natural. Um, but it translates because, you know, in business, like it's just, it's simply, if you break it down, it's a matter of setting rules and then mm-hmm. practicing those rules intentionally over and over again well think about that in business i mean the way you treat customers how quickly you respond to an email um you know how you schedule your next day or don't schedule your next day depending on those habits and those rules that you set up and how um committed you are to following through with them that creates flow and either either you're not doing those things that you know need to be done and then it becomes a flow, a negative flow. Like you just create habits that aren't useful. Or in this case, like we became very committed to to movements and communication, so that they became they became second nature and they kept us safe. Like we, 15 years, we never took a life and we never lost one. Uh, in my in my little, you know, it was a relatively small part of the world, um, but it certainly worked. It certainly worked for us. Uh, I mean, New Jersey, I've. In New Jersey, New York, the area—it's not exactly free from crimes. Sure. I mean, you're not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when I think about, I think Chris Voss also worked in New York back in the early '90s, '80s, yeah. and he said he went through a phase of like people walking up to him and he's ready to fight, and <laughs> which is not the case anymore these days. But uh, you know, there were—I guess there are so many questions. 
one thing I noticed that people probably will ask you a lot is like, oh, why don't you teach self-defense? Or I think a better question is how do those skills potentially translate to our like day-to-day activities? Yeah. I don't know whether you've ever encountered outside of work once you're in a dark alley or you're maybe with your family walking around yeah. like unfamiliar town. Like, what do you do in that situation? Yeah, for me, um, I didn't really. I was never one of those people who's where that career um, really took over my home life. So, mm-hmm. like, I one of the one of the best pieces of advice <clears throat> I got many years ago was from. Um, uh, one of the, one of the guys I used to work with, he's retired now, but he told me when I got married back in 1996, he said, "Whatever you do, mm-hmm. if you listen to nothing else I ever say, do not take this job home with you." Mm-hmm. And I I knew before I even started a job, I knew that um, I didn't want to become, I didn't want my identity to be attached to the career. That was just never who I was. I never wanted that to be my identity to the point where if somebody introduced me as mm-hmm. a cop I would get so pissed off mm-hmm. because to me it was like okay if I were an insurance salesman you would have not introduced me as hi this is my friend Aaron he's an insurance salesman that's just it just doesn't happen but it's just it was weird because in in my career not everyone but a lot of people would, would introduce me as that and mm-hmm. I developed uh for a while, it's not there anymore. But for a while, I had this I had this self consciousness about it, where I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be associated with that. I wanted people to get to know me, not me, because they had assumptions about who I was because of what I did for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did. But little things that did carry over, like if we go to restaurants, I never wanted to be seated with my back to the door. I always yeah. wanted to be seated facing the door because. I mean, you, we all know how insane society can be. If something mm-hmm. like that were to happen, I wanted to immediately see it before it played out, um, because I, mm-hmm. I inherently am, I inherently notice things that uh, a lot of times that, that are out of place. Yeah. Um, but I want to, I want to, I want to be in a position to see it first. Little stuff like that helps. What really helps um, that can transition to our listeners. Um, one of the things that I learned. One of the best skills I learned, uh, of the many skills I learned, being on that that SWAT team for so many years was visualization. There's a lot of, in the self-help world, a lot of people talk about visualizing your goal or visualizing what you want your life to be. And and people do that. They'll say, you know, picture the house you want to live in, where do you want it to be, what country, what does your bank account look like, and all that kind of stuff. And visualizing that end goal, which in my experience, isn't necessarily a bad thing in and of itself, but I think it misses the point because Mm -hmm. what we did a lot of was visualizing the process. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if we knew we had a pre-planned event and we were going to look for person X in this home and we think he's usually in this area of the home, like we would have all these things played out. We knew that the end goal was to detain this person without anyone getting hurt. Mm-hmm. That was a goal. But we didn't visualize being standing in a room still with him on the ground handcuffed. Interesting. There's a that, process. Didn't, that didn't help. I mean, that's visualizing that isn't going to help you get there. Yeah. What does help is you visualizing, okay, step A, how are we approaching? What's our route? Step B, what are we going to see when we get out of our transport? Step C, you know, what's our entry point? 
Where are we going once we get through there? We're visualizing every single step along the way, the so potential, where, where are the potential threats, who else is in the home. We're visualizing everything up until the point where the goal is accomplished. The goal mm -hmm. accomplished was almost irrelevant. Yeah. That, that was never, for me, it was never part of my visualization, was not, yay, we arrested him. Like, that was never even a thought. My, yeah. my process, and literally with eyes closed, we would, almost like meditating, when we were transporting on the way to do a job, you would see umpteen big dudes all geared up with mm -hmm. automatic weapons with their eyes closed, mm -hmm. and you just see their heads bobbing. <laughs> because we were visualizing the process of what it was going to take to accomplish that goal safely. That is what I think is missing from a lot of people in the business world. Everybody mm -hmm. has their vision boards with yeah. their episode on Oprah and, you know, jet skiing with, yeah, yeah jet skiing with yeah. Richard Branson <laughs> and, and all that kind of stuff, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not speaking negatively against those things because right. I have friends that did some vision boards and they have some amazing stories about what they accomplished mm -hmm. after mm -hmm. having done that. But the more important, what actually makes the difference is being intentional and visualizing how, what is it, what's the next thing I'm going to have to do to get there? What is every step along the way? How am I going to get it done? What's what is likely to get in my way? Yeah, obstacles. And, then, and when when those obstacles happen, how do I overcome them? And right. I think that type of visualization visualization is what gets it done. Whereas mm -hmm. if if you're just looking at the white sandy beaches mm -hmm. and forgetting about there's a whole lot of travel to do before you get there. <laughs> That's where that's what gets people frustrated because they, you know I've known a lot plenty of people that say oh, I'm you know it's been so it's been six months since I've you know started visualizing and I'm still not there I'm like well how much of the process did you visualize like yeah what are your steps along the way yeah um, and also yeah. I think the mentality that you guys have it's so many people think about only the obstacles and risk and they don't take a single step but for you guys there is and it's a really that that's the art of the balance yeah. really is to be able to, to predict some of them and knowing mm -hmm. that you might not be perfect and sure. all the way right to the T and mm -hmm. but not be paralyzed yeah. by those obstacles yeah. and still be able to move forward. I think, yeah. my goodness, that's like why people like Seth Godin and Brian Kaufman yeah. exist. I mean, that's kind of what they teach. And yeah, um, yeah that that journey and you've, you've lived through it, like you said, two decades and that's yeah. already that's part of it. It's like in your blood, yeah. like it's part of your DNA. Um, yeah, sure it is. Yeah, and to be able to teach that because you've lived through it mm -hmm. under much riskier, more dangerous circumstances, really put perspectives into other people's like, what's the worst could happen if either there was a typo on your blog, how you could avoid it going <laughs> yeah. forward, you know, uh, you, know sure. you, can, you can make it better yeah. next time yeah. and correct it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably one of the biggest surprises people have is when I talk about my time on the team is it's mostly 95% of it was men mentality, it was mindset. You know, yes, it, you know, we had to be strong and have all equipment and all that stuff and, you know, because there were times you would have to physically do things, but the physical aspect of it was not even remotely the most yeah. important. It was all between your ears is what, mm -hmm. was, uh, what was really important and, and it definitely translates to what I do today, and I, and I don't teach that anymore, or I don't teach that, um, well, yeah, I used to teach it. I don't teach that anymore because my, my mission is, is different these days, 
um, and the lifestyle I want to build and the, and the things I want to be doing is is different. I definitely want to use what I've learned in that world and translate mm-hmm. it to what I'm doing now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, but that's I mean I think in whatever we're doing, you know, you mean everyone listening. That's important. Like whatever it is you want to build now, there are lessons from what you done or experienced previously that will translate if you if you're willing to look mm-hmm. absolutely and this is so awesome thank you for spending another 15 minutes i think your listeners in particular will love what i what you just talked about so yeah you drew that see i, I love that we did this because that is not something that i would have chose to talk about on unbreakable success so thank you for kind of helping me to share a little bit about uh you know myself and my world that my my listeners i'm sorry listeners that i never talked about that stuff before so if you liked it uh let me know shoot me a send me a message <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely you know i and i totally know what you mean i i i had a love hate relationship with my career i'm not saying that's how you feel about your career i have both yeah yeah you know definitely there's yep. There's always both. I mean, it's just like that with every relationship. Sure. With work, you know, especially when it comes to digital marketing, I too felt like there was so much money spent without real outcomes. And yeah. so often of the times, and that bothered me. And the sometimes the attitude from people working in such industry, um, you know, there are a lot of good, really good-looking people, young, good-looking people. Yeah. But you ask yourself, it's like, well, it requires real skills and not really looks, but consulting yeah. oftentimes attracts certain people because you don't have a product. What you have are people that you're sure. selling to the client. So, yeah. um, so I felt like there's a, there's a real opportunity really for us to step out of our jobs. And uh, like the 23 year old last night said to me, how liberating it is for somebody who are willing to pay for your service for you, not yeah. the brand that you're attached to, but but you as a you know yes. as a person and it's a great feeling yeah absolutely we can both echo that and it's just uh, it changes everything you know sure. um, but uh thank you so much Aaron let me know I mean I know I, I tend to like throw a lot of questions out there um, if there's anything you need from me I'll be happy to provide it for you but I know that this I, I'm very excited about what I got out of it yeah I can't I, I can't wait to air this one this was a lot of fun and and yeah. uh, I almost feel like we should do a part two and kind of brainstorm and, and put together a part two session so we're gonna stay in touch uh, for everybody sure. on, for everybody on, on phase world thank you for for joining us and sharing this conversation and of course for everybody on unbreakable success thank you for hanging out again and we'll see you next time Faye parting words my friend Yay. Uh, Part two, I absolutely look forward to it. And then thanks to, uh, definitely thanks to Facebook listeners, but also Aaron's listeners. And I hope that you get so much out of, um, you know, who you are. You're this super friendly, down-to-earth guy and who really, in a very short period of time, changed my perspective about, um, you know, the variety of police officers. Because I, you know, I've, lucky for me, I've encountered very, in real situations, I've encountered very few of them. Yeah, I did yeah. ran a yellow light, and I was super <laughs> scared when it happened. And you know, he was stone faced. Like I, but you're, you know, you got this natural instinct about you, and the the feeling you project onto your customers, other people, I think is there to be shared with the world. So I'm so Thank glad. Thank you. Thank you so much for your kind words. Kind words, uh, Faye. I pre- honestly, I appreciate that very much. It's both humbling and flattering. And 
for sure. I'm very grateful to have, to have met you. Thanks again to um, uh, to Jocelyn for intro introducing us, and love what you're up to. Love the show and uh, your your willingness to take that that journey that you took. And we'll probably get, we should get into it more next time. But your journey from from where you were and and coming over to the states and and deciding to plant your flag here. Uh, I'm glad that you stuck around and are doing what you're doing in the world today because it's making a it's definitely making an impact. So I appreciate you. Um, but we're going to do this again. So yeah, thank you so much. I'm yeah. so glad. I hope you enjoy editing this. I'll keep you posted. Um, but we'll certainly we'll certainly be in touch. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. So all right, everybody. Goodbye, and we'll see you next time. Faye, thank you again, and uh, we'll talk real soon. All right. Yeah. Talk soon. Okay. Hey, it's Aaron, and thanks again for joining me. If you liked that episode, please make sure you hit subscribe to make sure you get the next one. Also, to get a free copy of my book, Million Dollar Influence, plus access to free training and free one-on-one -on -one coaching to improve your influence, relationships, and personal confidence, just visit AaronKeithHawkins.com to get it all. That's AaronKeithHawkins.com.